Hey everyone, welcome to Thriving Marriage with Mark and Bethany. This is our weekly discussion of marriage and family in the Christian life. And today we are continuing the Q&A that uh, we presented last week. This is a recording from a live Q&A that we did a couple of weeks ago in Thrive. Q&A actually stands for question and answer, if you didn't know. <laughs> I appreciate that helpful clarification. Yeah, so enjoy our second installment of the Q&A. More good answers like that to come. <laughs> any, any questions yep. out here? They know everything. Hold on. They've got it. Hold on. Where are you? Oh, I was like, where did you go? Disappeared behind the tree. All right. Um, two-parter. Based on your experience, how do we best settle bickering between children? And uh, what are some biblical principles we can use to help mitigate it? What was the last word? Biblical principles to help? Mitigate. Mitigate. Okay, thanks. So bickering Bickering. between kids? Have we figured out how to solve that? (laughs) I was like, yeah, give us some ideas. No. (laughs) It's It's so hard. There's, I mean, there's four different personalities, four sinners that are not saved. Well, one of them might is might be in our home now, but I mean, they just they're out for themselves. And if someone gets in the way, it's problem, you know. And if they're very very loud people, then everyone's got to hear about it too, you know. Um. I mean, I got a few things that I've told kids. Yeah. Just you said, what are some of the practical things we do? I make kids stop talking. That I is say, true. You, <laughs> you do that. You, I just, you, you can't talk right now. It drives me crazy. It's really hard. And then they're like, and I'm like, Zip. you yeah. can't talk right yeah. now. Everything you're saying is poison, right? Yeah. Everything you're saying is bad. It's negative. Right. Right. Stop talking. I haven't said poison, but that's Not what poison. I, that's, that's behind it. Everything right? you're saying is negative that's is what, what you said. usually say. Negative or yeah. unhelpful. So stop talking. And in a few minutes, I'll let you talk again. And I'd like you, when you do start talking in a few minutes from now, to say things that are positive and not tearing down your siblings or making fun of them or complaining or being negative in some way. And so then they've got options at that point. Mm -hmm. When they do start talking, sometimes the first word out of their mouth is trying to finish the last thing that they were in the middle of saying. And it's like, whoop! You can't talk anymore. I get it that it's a hard issue. It's not just a talking issue. I totally understand that. But practically speaking, that's one thing we've done. And, and it does, they, they stop and they think, hopefully, right? What am I saying? And then I try to point out, just another different thing, try to point out when they are not bickering and they're, they're complimenting each other, saying something nice to each other, solving their own problems. We like, when that happens, we point that out. We applaud that. We celebrate that. We, so we acknowledge it. And so those are two things. But I feel like there's a lot more because this is, a, yeah. this is a, something we deal with a lot. Yeah, so I will often, yeah, I do stop, especially one or two of my kids, they want to tell me this whole story in every detail. And it's just not helpful. You know, and then he said this, and then he went like that. And then I was like, what? And then he said, and I'm just like, no, 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 no. You know, you're both in the wrong. I can already tell you're both in the wrong. And so I really try to get them to point the finger at themselves. So I often separate them 
because it's just helpful. And then I will say, okay, you know, you guys, you were arguing, you were being, whatever the problem is, you're fighting. What did you do wrong? And instantly, well, she, right? I mean, it's like so easy to be like, well, she, and she started, whatever. I, you know what? I'm not talking about her. She's not in the room. She's not here. So I will make them tell me what they did wrong. And they're not allowed to say what the other person did wrong. I said, I will, t- I will deal with your br- brother. I will deal with your sister. It's tough. It takes a while sometimes. Um, I, not every little argument do I do this. But they say, I was, you know, I was unkind. Or I said, yes. And you need to apologize for that because that was wrong. And then I go in, you know, so now we're taking a lot of time to the next person. What did you do wrong? Same thing. Um, I want my kids to own up to their own problems, you know? And so that's something I really try to stress. It's just not super helpful to say they did, they did, they did, they did all the time. You've got to look at your own sin and your own problems. So that's one practical thing. We try to encourage them to serve, too, after they have been in an argument. Okay, well, what are you going to go do to serve your sister? What would be great? What would she love? What could you do for her? That's a practical way to have them do the opposite. I don't know. More practical stuff. That's good. Discipline them. <laughs> yeah. Right? I mean, if, it's a, if there's an instigator, you know, especially if someone really struggles with it, they get disciplined for it. The one that comes in and pokes when there's no problem. You know that one? Do you have that one? Everyone's happy. Everyone's playing happy. And then the one kid comes in and takes the toy. Oh, and everyone's mad. I don't have one of those, but I've heard about them. They're really tough. Okay? (laughs) But yeah, we'll discipline for that, especially. I mean, I think we can be good examples to our kids, and that's important. We need to model what conversations without bickering look like between us. You know, you know, I say that, and it's like, I think we've given them a lot of good examples, and they don't always copycat those interactions. <laughs> um, but I do think that, that we ought to check ourselves there and say, man, where are our kids learning this? Are they seeing it in us? You know, we ought to be really careful here. But it could be the case that your communication, especially in front of the kids, really is kind of good, kind conversation, and they're they're not imitating that. So um, that's why you got to take those other steps of things that we've talked about. So great, great question. Do we, Diego, I feel sorry for you. We, we, we got one. Okay, oh, we got, we one. got one? We're going to bring her back around this side. Yes, it's three to zero. <laughs> three to one, three to one. <laughs> not that we're counting. Yeah, we're not keeping score. Um, question in regards to dealing with talking to kids about salvation about the fact, obviously, you've, Bethany, you've mentioned about, you know, you have kids in your home that are not saved, and I think we do a good enough job of explaining that to our kids, that they're not saved. I think it's easy um, in a church like ours to fall into other camp of almost feeling, like, negative in a way about the fact that, well, you're not saved, and it sort of puts the kids into almost like a fear, I could say. Um, How do you deal with that? How do you talk to your kids about, you know, where do they stand with God if they're not saved, but, you know, they're still sort of working through their thoughts on what is God and what is faith? And I I guess I'm talking into not early young years, but say, I don't know, six to 10 years old, somewhere around six to 11 years old, someone in that camp where 
they're old enough to have a conversation about it and they're old enough to be able to understand what is sin and what is God, but they're just not quite there and they're, right, they just haven't reached that, that, that day of salvation. Um, but it's just a tough thing. How do you talk to your kids about that to not let them feel discouraged or left out? Yeah, that's a great question. So, I mean, we want to point our kids to the gospel message. We want to point our kids to Christ. We want to equip them with how to form a relationship with God through repentance and faith. So we want to make all those things clear to them. I think part of that is communicating to them the, the bad news, helping them come to grips with the weight of sin. I think that's that's a that's a key piece to this. But like you said, without you know, um, uh, honing in too much on that or only talking about that. So helping them come to the, come to grips with the weight of their sin separates them from God. Um, and then making it clear what the biblical solution is, which is faith in Christ. So we can always call them to faith and they can always demonstrate some kind of childlike faith in the Lord. And what, is the substance of that is kind of undefined until they define it for us. We don't know exactly what is the substance of their faith until they articulate it. What are you trusting in? When you say you believe in Jesus, what do you mean by that? Um, so, and they have to articulate that. We have to help them. We just can't put words in their mouth. We have to help them understand these things. But we can always point them to trust God, believe in Jesus, and keep calling them to that childlike faith. At some point, Lord willing, that faith is spirit-filled, right? Spirit-empowered, saving faith that includes um, a turning from sin. So those are some initial thoughts. Do you want to say more about that? Yeah, I mean, because I, w- I want them to feel the weight of their sin. And so when they're sad about it or they feel like, but I, you know, so I'm not a Christian. It's like, well, no, this is how you become a Christian. Let me explain it to you. Let me talk you through it. There's hope. Like I, I just always am saying there's hope. It's a free gift. It's something that you can become, you know. And so it's just, I'm constantly trying to, yeah, it's okay to, because I've had, you know, kids that they feel bad and they, oh, this is hard. And this is sad. I'm not a Christian. You're a Christian. Are you going to heaven? Yes. Am I going to heaven? I don't know. Only God knows. Uh, well, how do I get to heaven? If you're there, I want to be there, you know. But it's just like I'm just constantly pointing to the hope of the gospel and pointing them back to the things that, you know, they, there is time to become a Christian. There is hope to become a Christian. So let's just talk through it again. And as they grow, it's like it just gets deeper and deeper. So I don't know if that helps, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, that coming to grips with the weight of your sin, as I said, or uh, I can't remember exactly how you phrased it, but the, they, they want, you know, a lot of times they, they, kids want to be Christians if mom and dad profess to be Christians because right. I want to be where you are. Right. Right. And I think we can applaud that to a degree, but that's not what saves you. No, right. right. Um, and so... You know, the, the bad news is, is bad. Yeah. And if they feel, they feel the weight of that, yeah. that, that's where they, that's the posture, the position that you need to be in in order to then respond with genuine faith 
in the Lord. And so um, I think we need to, we do need to strike that chord with them, but we can always encourage the, the faith piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So in regards to Christmas and Santa Claus, we've tried to, in, with our younger one, we've kind of just ignored Santa and said, you know, it's, this is God's birthday. It's what we're celebrating. Oh, Jesus' birthday, we're celebrating. Now, obviously, he's getting older. And he's asking about Santa. So any suggestions on how to explain Santa? He knows that the, the reason is Jesus. He gets that. But he still asks about Santa. So any guidelines or suggestions on how to take that? I guess. Next question. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, just Wait, kidding. so. I how guess, do you... how does he know about Santa? Is that because he's been getting presents that are from Santa every year and now he wants an explanation? No, they're saying no. Oh, okay. They're saying no. Okay. So he just knows about Santa from the, the culture says about Santa or what other yeah. kids say about Santa. Well, yeah. I mean, we're proponents of being straightforward and honest with our kids about who gives them the gifts and yeah. that's, you know, we've never, we've never, uh, created the, you know, the myth in our home that Santa's giving these gifts, there's a magical person, you know, maybe you, we, we've never done that. And unfortunately, our kids don't have the level of maturity that uh, some adults have to know when to talk about that with other kids. And yeah. so Oof. they've, they've like crushed dreams. Yes. Oh. And uh, of other kids and family yeah. members. So yeah. we've, and they, they, they actually, they're pretty good now in right. being really careful right. about that. But yeah. we learned that one the hard way. They learned that one the hard way. I mean, we, I think we did our best effort to try to help them know how to talk about this, but um, yeah. they were just a little direct with some certain people. <laughs> <laughs> like recently, I might have gotten a text from someone like, please don't let your kids ruin Santa for us again. <laughs> oh, no. Just, you know, so we try to just, we, we, you know, we don't, we don't have Santa giving them the gifts. Mom and dad give the gifts. Um, there is a person called St. Nicholas. There's a book in the bookstore reading about where that all came from. There's a real person. And when they were young, I often would be like, well, what do you think about Santa? And they're like, but I mean, he flies around the whole world. I'm like, what are your thoughts on that? Does that sound right? You know, like they just, it's just like they are kind of like, I felt like from the beginning, they were skeptical of this guy. And I'm like, so I, I never said, yeah, I really tried not to say, yes, yeah, Santa's not real. Just because I, there's so many people at school, public school, and um, family members who do, I mean, it's just a really magical thing. And so I didn't want them just like, guess what? <laughs> Santa's not real. But we just approached it where we give the gifts and there was a person named St. Nicholas. And you know what? Other people believe in that. And so you just need to be careful about how you say it and how you shouldn't bring that up. You shouldn't announce that to the class at school. Please. It's, it's one thing to be a <laughs> spokesperson for the truth. And it's another thing to, you know, uh, do that insensitively. And, right. And so kids, I, I think kids can just, if, they, if, if a kid knows something that it, another kid doesn't know, they want to make that other kid feel like a total idiot like 
whether it's, you know, you have this insider knowledge about Sansa or anything. That's just kids. They want to put, typically, they want to put other people down. And so I think this is one way they do that if they're equipped with this special knowledge. So we just got, I think that's one helpful way to equip our kids. It's like, here's how you should talk to people about this. This is a way to love other people, you know, refrain from, you know, being the Santa, uh, Santa police around school and telling everybody that they're wrong. Yeah, that's a good, good question. <laughs>